everybody. Welcome back to Q-Tips. We are the Video Store Junkies, and we're back once again to bring you a few selections to watch over the weekend on streaming. And I know I said last week that everybody was fired, but I didn't really mean it. Apparently, Zachary and Paul took that literally as they are not here today. So I'll pass it to you, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I guess you really don't have too much choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, hi, Renee. Glad to see you showed up at least. You know, you yes. take your job seriously. You know, because I mean, we we search, we we do all this work searching for films that are available for streaming so that people, you know, can watch it and learn, you know, give our tips and everything. And uh, you know, I take that very seriously. So seriously that my first pick is not actually available for streaming. I thought it was, but uh I just searched and I can't find it. Nevertheless, I'm gonna talk about because this really is. You know, I love horror, I love science fiction, I love fantasy. But if I had to pick my top 10 and, and very likely my top five favorite films, um, I'm not sure that horror or science fiction would be in the majority. And I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be because I can't imagine not including Godfather, Spartacus, and this film, which is uh, mm. Angels with Dirty Faces from 1938. It's a gangster film. It's oh. got... Um, it's got James Cagney, Humphrey Bogart, although Humphrey Bogart surprisingly has a fairly small role in it, and and the Dead End Kids, which we'll get to later. So this this amazing film directed by Michael Curtis, who also did Casablanca. So we're talking not a guy that that people talk about the way they talk about Hitchcock and everything, but damn, he made a lot of great great films, and, and you know knew what he was doing, but. It, I don't know. His films don't have that stamp that lets you know. Like when you're watching a Hitchcock film, you know you're watching a Hitchcock film. I love Hitchcock, mm -hmm. but he has a very distinctive style. And Curtis, I don't know. He didn't get in the way of the story. He, he did it in a way that didn't scream. A Michael Curtis film. But, okay, so the premise is we open up. It's the, it's the 1930s. It's the Depression. Everything's horrible. These two poor kids are trying to rob like uh, some stuff off a a rail car or something and the cops come up and they chase him and the one kid gets away and the other one doesn't and so the the guy the one who got away visits his friend in reform school and says i'll i'll tell him i was in on it too and young james cadney says what are you crazy nah don't worry about it i'll take the rap it's okay and then hmm. they grow up and um the little the one boy who got caught grows up to be james cadney who spent a lot of time in prison because he took the rap for the mob later on and the other one grows up to be Pat O'Brien, Nathan Begora. He's a priest. I mean, they yeah. just went in two completely different directions. One's a gangster, one's a priest. They still love each other, still good friends. Mm. And Agni gets out of jail and immediately goes to the mob guys who had promised him $100,000, which is like $2 million now, if he took the rap. And now they have absolutely no intention to pay him back. They're just going to wipe him out. But he's James Effin Cagney. And um, yeah. He get, he gets the drop on them, gets a ledger, and is you know is just basically calling the shots, slapping them around, just being his absolute James Cagneyus. At the same time, is you know reestablishes friendship with his friend Pat, and um, there's these kids who hang out with the priest, the dead end kids, a bunch of little street urchins, just mm -hmm. a bunch of lovable little scamps, and uh, poor kids who could go either way. And he's the father, Pat O'Brien's trying to be a, a good influence to them. But of course, they idolize James Cagney, because who wouldn't? Mm. 
stuff happens. All kinds of Uh-oh. things happen. There's all kinds of great goodness. Now, the ending of this movie, no lie, is is quite possibly my favorite ending of any film ever. Um, Cagney, Cagney uh, is is on death row. Death, shit got bad, and uh, Father O'Brien shows up and he tells him, you know, are are you okay? You ready to face what's going to happen? And Cagney's like, yeah, it doesn't bother me. Dirty screws. I'm going to spit in their eye right before they they fry me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm doing a. Uh, Edward G. Robinson there. Never mind. Um, I love it. And so Pat O'Brien says, look, I know I'm asking a lot, but at the last minute, did you just like turn into a complete chicken shit so that the kids don't grow up idolizing you? And Cagney's like, what the hell, man? You're telling me to turn yellow? Uh, you know, Take away my dignity? It's the only thing I have left, and that's what you want to take from me? You know, and, and have everyone think that I was a coward? And he's like, well, I'll know and you'll know and God will know. It's like, yeah, nothing doing, yeah. So they go through this whole sequence. Man, I don't know if Death Row was really like this, but it's so cool, the slow walk um, to the electric chair. This is all in black and white, low lighting, uh, just really great. And the, the priest keeps asking him, please. I'm like, nah, nothing doing. Then the last thing we see is, you know, he just walks past the camera. And the priest is saying his prayers. And then in silhouette, just in shadows, we hear this screaming as suddenly he's begging for his life. And they have to Mm. literally pry his hands from the radiator and drag him to the chair and strap him in and throw the switch so that, you know, he he dies in mid-scream. And then the priest goes back and the kids are like, hey, they're saying he died yellow, say it isn't true. And he's like, you know, I'm... It's true, boys. That that's how it went. So the priest is actually lying because he knows the the truth. But you know, it's for the greater good. And then he leads them away. And says, let's go say a prayer for a little boy. I'm choking up here. I'm not kidding. Here. He goes. Let's say a prayer for a little boy who couldn't run as fast as I did. You know, he mm. he realized literally there, but for the grace of God, the the two roles could have been switched. So mm. you know this actually has some pretty sneaky social commentary in it too in addition to everything else but holy fuzzballs crap that ending is such a gut punch it is so good everyone is on their a game in this film it is absolutely marvelous well i don't know how you can find it you can find bits and pieces i mean they, they have the whole ending on youtube they even have a colorized version if you're like a monster um but where you can actually find it for real i don't know but mm. If you haven't seen this, I'm sure it's on TCM every other weekend or so, whenever they do Cagney right. Week. This is just one of the greatest movies ever made, without question. Angels with Dirty Faces. And mm. when we get to my next pick, which you can see, we'll talk about how this how this influenced some other things. And, uh, gee, who should I throw this to? I, got, I don't know. I guess Renee. Yeah. You know, one of the other dedicated people in this group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. So my next recommendation. Now, this is one that I have admittedly recommended before. That said, it was over two years ago. So this movie is from 2017 and it is called The Endless. It is directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And they also star in the movie. They are a couple of brothers who also go by the names Justin and Aaron, keeps things very easy. Um, they had escaped a UFO death cult when they were younger, and 
it's God, it's probably been maybe like 10 years or so later. They get this videotape in the mail, which doesn't really insist that they come back, but it sort of just makes them think that they really need to kind of come up there and, you know, tie up some loose ends and just, you know, make sure that everything is good. Make sure they made the right decision. All that good stuff. This movie is just, it's really, really interesting. It, it is very unique. The story itself, I think, is very original. It's very thought-provoking. It has a great atmosphere, and it's really very engaging. So, yeah, these guys, they get back to the camp, and they find out that things are just kind of odd. The cult members that they left behind are still there. They appear to be doing really great, but maybe a little too great. And just lots of really strange and bizarre things are happening that they have to deal with and try to figure out if they have made the right decision uh, with leaving this this little family that they once had. So yeah, this movie is called The Endless, and you can watch that on Tubi or Peacock or Roku or Canopy. And on that note, I will pass it back to you, Bill. Well, thank you, Renee. Okay, so... If you get to see angels with dirty faces, you probably might be wondering, I wonder what happened to those little rapscallions, the the dead-end kids or whatever they were. And here's the thing. This is part of a series. Angels with Dirty Faces is just the absolute best of the dead-end kids. It's about, you know, these kids and the things that happened. They made eight films with the dead-end kids. And then they spun it off. Into, they, they went to a cheaper place and became the East Side Kids hmm. from 1940 to 1945. And they made 22 films. Oh, my gosh. And then, and then with a, during a contract dispute or something, they went to another place and became the Bowery Boys from 1946 to 1958. These, these preteen kids hung out at Pop's Soda Shop and had wacky adventures. Now, let's let's check that again. Angels of Dirty Faces came out in 1938, and the last Bowery Boys movie came out in 1958. Uh. These kids did this for 20 years, and none of them were really kids. When, I mean, you know, they were maybe 12, 14 years old or something. So by, by the end of this, these guys are in their <laughs> 30s, and they're still pretending to be like Archie and the gang, just hanging out, Aww. not having any real jobs. And, you know, just it, it, it's it's funny watching them and they're still acting the same way. It just <laughs> I just admire the hell out of that. You can get away with murder if you just believe, believe in the premise. And so what I'm recommending is not any one particular film. I'm recommending all of these because by my counting, we've got so eight dead end kids. 22 East Side Kids and 48 um, Bowery Boys. That's 78 movies. That is... Holy Jiminy. And yet whenever I see them talking about, you know, like long-running series, James Bond. James Bond has 27 flippin' films. Whoop-da-hippin'-hoo. That's that's nothing. That's nothing. Bowery Boys... just, Just the Bowery Boys got that beat, much less the Dead End Kids and the East Side Kids. Godzilla's got 36. Now, okay, good, but no Bowery Boys. Uh-uh. Okay, now, um, Wong Fei Hung uh, has 123 films. So, you know, the Chinese, yeah. 
They must have released mm-hmm. like one of those a week. And I guess if you do Hopalong Cassie, if you assume Hopalong Cassie played the same character in every movie, yeah, I think he probably had had a pretty good number too. But this is one of the greatest, longest running series of all time. Now, which one am I recommending? It doesn't matter. They're all the same damn movie. Absolutely the same movie. The, the kids, the, the boys... Uh, who apparently, I don't know how they support themselves. They just hang out in Pop's store, and um, and then some gangsters, occasionally Nazis, but mostly gangsters, uh, show up and start causing trouble, and they go and investigate in their semi-incompetent way, and uh, they get captured, and then they escape, and it ends in a big fight, where they just nail the camera down and let these guys just pretend to punch each other and break breakaway chairs over their head. And um, it became so routine. These things are so routine that that actually became a running joke where whenever they're captured and the guy, ah, we're going to take them out and shoot them. And uh, one of the Bowery boys, Hunts Hall or Leo Gorsi, the two main guys are like, yeah, this uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Routine 7. <laughs> and everyone just looks blankly at him and goes, Routine seven, I say, and they're like, "Oh, routine seven. I don't know. The, these guys don't look like could, they could remember anything, but I guess they've got all these routines down. Although, frankly, routine seven just looks like variations of start punching faces. Yeah, that's it. They'll, they'll clap. They'll do patty cake or something, and then right when it's like Baker's man, and they punch the guy in the face because he was just fascinated watching these these man boys." doing this you know just wondering what the hell have i stumbled into why is this 40 year old talking about you know dating a girl in high school you know he never graduated i don't know um when i was a kid i loved these they're all about 60 minutes long they do not wear out their welcome they were they were the b-side on something they you know you would back in the day my dad would tell me this you'd go to the you'd go there your parents would drop you off with like a quarter a quarter and you'd buy you'd buy some uh, you know candy and a big thing of popcorn and then you'd sit down and there was a newsreel so you knew what was going on in the world. Uh, there was a Bugs Bunny cartoon if you were lucky and, and a Woody Woodpecker if you weren't. Probably a couple. They might show a serial, The Adventures of Captain Marvel. It always ends with a cliffhanger that he couldn't possibly get out of, but next week he does. And then they would show the B movie like a Bowery Boys, and then they'd show a quarter you're probably getting then an a picture but one that actually played about six months earlier you weren't there at the premiere mm. but that sounds like a full day of entertainment boy you got the kids out of your hair for a whole day for a quarter oh man, man. yeah oh those were good times those were good times so they're all over the place they've they're very formulaic they're, the humor is is pretty dated but i don't know i just i just find them comforting there's just mm. something, uh, it's like, you know, it's like when you're a little kid and you watch Barney or Scooby-Doo and you realize basically every episode is the same as every other episode. But that's what you want. You know, mm-hmm. the world, the world's a scary, uncertain place, but at least you can, you know, you can be happy knowing that the monster's going to turn out to be Uncle Al wearing a rubber mask or something. And, uh, you know, I just um, love these little, these little formulaic films out there, these series, which have been completely forgotten. Mm. Although I think what happened is they sold all the Bowery Boys movies to Channel 11. And so they, they actually had every Saturday morning at like, there was the Bowery Boys movie, an Abbott and Costello movie, and then a horror movie. Huh. 
and yeah, that was my morning. Depending on which movies they were, I would watch. I would watch every single one of them. I've seen them all, every one of them. And uh, there's, I realized for all their flaws, you know, you got to be doing something right to make seventy-eight freaking films. I cannot <laughs> emphasize that enough. Seventy-eight movies. Mm. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, that, that, absolutely something. Now the story behind, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff is a little sad, you know. Toward toward the end, uh, Leo Gorsi, who was the the main guy, became a severe alcoholic, and yeah, you know, it's a lot of lot of stuff. A lot of these things ended poorly. Abbott and Costello ended poorly too. You know, it's 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 a tough business. Yeah, you know, and yet you're soaring high for all those years, and then when things get a little lean, you're kind of used to living the good life, and it's hard to uh, ratchet down, but. Yeah, but I still love those things. So there you go. Um, the Bowery Boys are on YouTube. I don't know if anyone owns the rights to them anymore. These look like films that very quickly no one would remember to send in the renewal. But <laughs> those are available. And keep an eye out for Angels of Dirty Faces. And uh, I send this back to the lovely Renee. Well, thank you so much. Okay, I've got, I've got one for you. Oh, actually, Uh-oh. I forgot to mention this at the end of The Endless. The Endless... Uh, intertwines with a movie called Resolution that is made by the same directors. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really cool the way those intertwine. And I was going to make Resolution my second recommendation. However, I stumbled upon this little beauty. Uh-oh. And I think I, I think you're going to like it. Okay, let's see how long it takes you to get this because I know you're going to know this. What do you get <laughs> when you mix Tug McClure with a young John Ratzenberger and some amazing haircuts and super futuristic human type alien people. Anything? Oh. Well, this movie is called What is this movie called? This movie is called Warlords <laughs> <laughs> Warlords of Atlantis. Atlantis. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, gosh. All right, let me just get over the. Let me get the premise out of the way first. These sailors are on an expedition when they accidentally—you can't see my air quotes—stumble upon the lost city of Atlantis, which happens to be ruled by this super advanced group of people. And you can tell they're super advanced because of their outfits and their haircuts. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, their their whole goal is to turn these humans into like fish people slaves. And <laughs> the the people are like, hey, we got to get out of here before, you know, we start growing gills. And of course, on the way out, they just run into all sorts of monsters and equipment failures and all sorts of terrible things that you can run into. This movie is so ridiculous. It, it, okay, it came out in 1978. Which was the same year as, say, Invasion of the Body Snatchers or Halloween or one of the movies I know you love, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it has it really has like that 60s kind of monster movie vibe. And it's just so I don't know. There's something that I really kind of like about it. It's so it's just charming. They really capture that vibe. The mm-hmm. sets are great. The practical effects are great then the puppets and just uh, oh so good but then there's like the sound effects which are so ridiculous 
like this lizard monster is making cheetah noises. <laughs> it's so great. Oh. oh, but it's fun. Well, who's to say what a lizard monster would sound like, right? That is a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, it's fun. There's some really just the, the dialogue is a lot more entertaining than I expected it to be. It was just goofy and enjoyable, and I thought it was fun. And I think that I think everybody should watch it. <laughs> and this movie is called Warlords of Atlantis. And where where else do you think you can watch this movie? But of course, Tubi. Tubi. For the weekend of November seventeenth. Bill recommended Angels with Dirty Faces. I have no idea where you'll find this, but if you can, you should watch it. And the Bowery Boy series. You can find this on Tubi and YouTube. I recommended The Endless, available on Tubi, Peacock, Roku, and Canopy. And Warlords of Atlantis, available on Tubi. over yes yes thank you yeah so we won't get inundated with even more reality shows it means marvel has basically said we're just taking 2024 off (laughs) they moved all their movies back which also gives them the time to maybe wonder what the fuck they're doing wrong (laughs) they may they may end up uh killing a few films it wouldn't surprise me if some of the ones they've shot they just quietly dribble off into Now that would be interesting. Has that happened a lot over time? Oh, they've they've had. Well, no, no, no. That's really unusual. It's it's just the difference is now movies are so expensive. Yeah. That they can take a write off. You know, they so they planned on they made this movie called Coyote Coyote versus Acme or Acme (laughs) versus Coyote, and it's a it was yeah it was a a funny bit about the Coyote suing the Acme company because of all the oh my god. It's basically a Who Frame Roger Rabbit. It's got live action and animated. And everyone I've told this idea to has said, oh, that sounds hysterical. Apparently it tested right. It tested in the 90s. Wow. It's done. It's completely done. 100% done, ready to be released. And Warner's announced that they were going to shelve it and take a $30 million write-off. Wow. It cost $80 million to make, which frankly is not that bad for a film of that scope where you're doing it's all special effects i mean everything is special effects um but they they just got gun shy they did it so they did that to batgirl they did it uh, a scooby-doo another scooby-doo movie that they're done with and the way it works is they shelve these forever they can never be shown once you take the tax write-off you can't turn around 10 years later and release it oh no shit yeah, these filmmakers are like, I just took two years of my life to this, all these people working on it, and now you're, you know, you're just going to write it off. Apparently, they've oh. gotten so much pushback on this one that they're now saying, no, the director is allowed to shop it around. Doesn't mean he'll, he'll oh. succeed, but I think he will. I think it's gotten enough uh, press, because apparently a bunch of filmmakers who were having talks with Warner Brothers 
stopping their films around basically can- canceled. They just said, yeah, let's not even, I, I'm, I do not want to take the chance of them doing this shit. Wow. So it's, it's uh, hurt Warner Brothers a bit. Good. Serves them right. Yeah, right. Huh. That's, so that's interesting. And I feel like maybe because you only mentioned, you mentioned a couple, but do you think there's enough of those that we could do like a little, like a little mini episode of, of eternally shelved movies? Hmm. I don't, I don't know. It's so rare. It's so rare for that to happen. Because, you know, before it was usually this, there's two reasons why it happens. The movie, they, they have no faith in the movie whatsoever. That it's going to mm-hmm. bomb. Why are we even wasting time marketing that? But, you know, you can just release it into a few theaters and then dump it on video. If you really think it stinks. Theodore mm-hmm. Rex would be one of those. Uh, <laughs> a, a horrible, a terrible Muppet movie with a Whoopi Goldberg where she, it's a cop movie where her partner is a Muppet oh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. It cost a fortune. It cost tens of millions of dollars and did not get released in one theater, just showed up on video. And you're like, wow, this looks pretty oh, pricey. No. One of the biggest box office bombs of all time, but at least they released it. You know, I mean, you might as well get something, you know, one or yeah. two weekends at Blockbuster. Yeah. You're not going to make your money back, but, but now... I guess the way the tax thing, the, you know, now we're talking movies that just cost so much money and the marketing in addition to that, that they figure we wish we'd never made it. That's mm-hmm. one reason. But the other reason is that when a, much like when a, a, a new male lion becomes the king of the pride, he kills the young cubs mm-hmm. that were there. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. Basically what Scar did. And um, when a new, when a new studio head takes over, any films that are in production are, are orphans. They, they're not his. If they succeed, he gets no credit. So as far as he's concerned, fuck them. You know, yes. there's, usually a, there's usually a mass cancellation of things that are in the works and some things that are done just get abandoned and because he's ready to make his mark. And the only way to make his mark is to save any of the marketing that we were going to spend on that last guy's film and we're going to spend it on my film. So oh. that's another reason why it sometimes happens. Damn, I have heard stories like that about, you know, actors or whatever would talk about something they've got in production. Yeah. And then so-and-so comes along. Yeah. And you're thinking sour grapes, but no, it's true. You would think these people, they're just, you think they're just there to make money. I don't care how I make money. You know, it's going to put a million dollars in my pocket, but no, no, the, the status, because this is a, it's an art form and a business and two just don't meld together very well and there's so much money and so much prestige they make mm. movies that they know will not make money because they might win oscars mm. how many how many other businesses are there you know how long would a plumbing company stay in business if they were only worried about getting the plumber of the year trophy at the end of the year right you know it means nothing but the academy award does mean something that's yeah they're they're searching for immortality really yeah that's why they put up with Harvey Weinstein's shit for so long because he Lord. was he was an Oscar maker, you know. God, no kidding! Isn't that terrible? It oh, is yeah. terrible. Oh well. All right, I'm ready. Enough. He's, enough he's of doing great. Babbling. Yeah, he's yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Oh man, the the cover art for Theodore Rex reminds me of Tammy and the T Rex with a twist of that dinosaur show. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, you know, man. I've never, I haven't, I haven't watched Tammy and the T-Rex. I've been saving it for a time when I had, cause I know I'm going to love it. I can yeah. tell just by, 
just by the premise. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I think you like it. That's amazing. I that is so bizarre. Very rarely are times when I've seen a movie that you have not. Like that's not you know like some wacky '90s movie or something. <laughs> um, but that's that's interesting. Oh, I love it. There's a few out there that I just I'm saving for the right time. I you know where I, I I'm not multitasking. And those that time is oh. not coming very often. Yes. I usually have to watch something while I'm doing something else. And there are some films. Yes. Like if, I, like if there's a Mario Bava film I haven't seen yet, there's a few, there's a couple, and I'm not going to give that a half, you know, that's, that's a sit down and watch it and weep at the fact that my unseen <laughs> Bava films are dwindling. Oh God, it's so true. Yes. It's like the last season of certain shows. Like right, I refuse right. to watch for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okie dokie. All right. <clears throat> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Q-Tips. We are the video store junkies.